testing, testing, one, two. Do I sound all right? Great, because this episode of Young Smart Money is sponsored by Toner Microphones, the perfect solution for content creators looking for a well-designed mic without breaking the bank. Now, let's get into the show. Someone's job is to literally just talk or to provide music for podcasts. You know, it's like, who would have thought of that, right? Like, uh, so it's it's incredible when you just start to make those lists to say, hey, there is no box. Like, you can basically make a living doing anything. You're listening to Young Smart Money, a podcast that inspires young entrepreneurs to take their personal finances to the next level. My name is Apple Kreider, and I am a huge personal finance nerd and entrepreneur who's constantly looking for a better way. Whether it's amassing millions of credit card points, learning which parts of the tax code can work to your advantage, or just figuring out how to run your business as smart as possible, I am all about it. Join me as I sit down with some of the smartest financial planners and specialists for young entrepreneurs out there and extract the action steps you need to get the most bang for your buck from your business. Welcome back to Young Smart Money with me, your host, Apple Kreider. Today, we're sitting down with Deacon Hayes. Deacon is a fellow personal finance enthusiast. He is the founder of Well-Kept Wallet, a personal finance blog that has over 800,000 readers, which is absolutely mind-boggling to think about. And in this episode, we're going to be talking about, uh, one, how he paid off $52,000 of debt in 18 months without having any kind of crazy income or anything like that, just kind of average dude making an average income, uh, paying off a, a massive amount of debt in a relatively short amount of time. Uh, then we're also going to talk about how he made this transition from uh, so basically having this debt, paying this debt off, wanting to, to help other people, and then uh, starting off in the in the financial planning space. So Deegan went from being a financial planner to becoming a personal finance blogger. So we're going to talk about kind of how that transition came about um, and in his decision to kind of jump ship and, and, and transition was one that I, I thought was really interesting how it came about. So definitely stay tuned for that. But uh, without further ado, we're just going to hop right on into it. I'm excited for you to hear from Deacon Hayes. He's got some cool stuff to say. So let's dive right on into it. Deacon, welcome to Young Smart Money. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. It is my pleasure. So for the listeners that are not familiar with Deacon Hayes, aren't sure what you're working on, don't know what Well-Kept Wallet is, fill us in, give us the 60-second snapshot of uh, kind of what you're doing right now. Sure. So I have a personal finance website called Well-Kept Wallet where we help people make money, save money, and pay off debt. And we currently have over 800,000 people that we're serving, which is just crazy to even say out loud. Um, and, you know, it all started as just my journey uh, of paying off my own personal debt. My wife and I, we had $52,000 in debt, paid it off in 18 months and said, hey, how can I just help other people do the same? And so that's what I do today. I love it. I'm all about the education. And when you've got a cool, cool story like that, that, that can inspire a lot of people. And clearly it is. I mean, you might as well do something cool with it. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I'm a big fan that if, if you've got knowledge and skills that other people don't have, like, why not put those to good use? Why not serve other people with that story, with that knowledge uh, so that they can better their lives? And if you can make a living in the process, it's like, it's like the trifecta, right? It's like, you make you make a living, they get helped, and then some other brand, you know, or whatever the other medium gets, you know, paid in the process. So it's a win-win-win scenario. Totally agree. So in terms of starting Well-Kept Wallet, did that happen while you were still in debt? Did you wait until after you got out of debt to, to start like telling people about it? Or when did you decide that you were ready to start kind of speaking to the world on this stuff? 
Yeah, I want to say it was like towards the tail end of us paying off our debt. I was like, hey, I heard of this thing called blogging. I'm just going to create a WordPress website. So it was like deaconhayes.wordpress.com or whatever <laughs> it was. And then uh, I, I just started sharing stories at the end of like, oh, well, I had a new car that I owed more than it was worth. And I had to figure out how to do that. So I'll share about how to sell an upside down car or, hey, I ended up buying a, a used car for 50 bucks for my wife. Like a lot of people are scared about that. And so I kind of dispelled a lot of myths about buying a user reliable card. So it was really towards the tail end where I started sharing some of those stories. Huh? So when you were just getting started, I know I hear from a lot of young listeners, especially like the, the whole imposter syndrome kicking in. So when you were just getting started on this thing, did you ever feel like, like, who am I to be doing this? Like, I'm still in debt myself. Like how, how am I going to be talking to these people about how they should be managing their money? If I'm still like on the process myself, you know? Yeah, I definitely had it a little bit, but I will say I've, I've learned that even if you're just a little bit farther along, like you have a lot of value to share to somebody who's just right behind you. Right. And so even though I did feel like that at times, I'm like, yeah, but I saved my first thousand dollars. I, I paid off 36,000 of the 52,000 or whatever. So even if I wasn't all the way there, I knew I had some tips that I could share with people. So I kind of let that motivate me and keep me going. Mm, awesome. Awesome. So um, I'm very fascinated by your journey because I mean, we're talking about Wealthcap Wallet now, but there's definitely a lot that came before that. Uh, specifically, you were a financial advisor um, probably about a decade ago now. Yeah. Yeah, about seven years ago. Oh, uh, yeah, I guess it would have been a decade when I when I started. Yeah, wow, wow. that sounds like <laughs> a long time ago. <laughs> I mean, I, I would I would say so based on my lifespan. So <laughs> take us take us back to um because I'm curious how you transitioned from kind of the traditional like sitting in a suit talking across the table to someone helping them plan out their retirement to what you're doing now, which is talking about a lot of the same things I would imagine, but in a very different aspect to a very different audience. So can you kind of share with us how that came about? Like, how did you move from that arena to this arena and what motivated that? Yeah, so I thought that the logical step when we paid off our debt was if I want to help people with their money that I needed to be a financial advisor. It just seemed like that was the natural path. And sure. so um, so I decided to go work for this firm and they're an amazing firm, but they dealt with primarily high net worth individuals, right? So mm -hmm. people that had millions of dollars or at least made a couple hundred grand a year. And so I would be doing these financial plans and meeting with these people and I just wasn't excited. I was like, they don't really need my help. Like they've, they've already got the basics down. They're just trying to figure out how to pay the least amount of taxes, trying to pass on their money to future generations. And that's noble stuff. And it definitely, there's a need for it. But I was like, what about the average guy? Like we, we don't even touch those people, right? Like we can't help them because they don't have assets. And so I, uh, I had the blog before I started, I just didn't really have it as an idea to make money. I just, I was like, Hey, this is something that I'm going to put out there. And if it can help people, great. Um, so what happened was I got an opportunity to be on Fox news in New York city and I brought it to my boss and my boss was kind of, she was taken aback. She was like, why would you be on TV to talk about money? You know, you're not like a PR person for the company. And I'm like, I know I, I, it would be to share my story of paying off debt. Um, and so she's, they start looking at my blog and long story short, they, I had Google ads on there and I never thought this would be an issue, but Google serves ads for our competitors or for, uh, the, for and, and so she was like, well, why do you have ads for Merrill Lynch on your site? I'm like, well, I don't really, Google is displaying it based off of your search history and all this stuff. And anyways, long story short, it was kind of like, you need to either shut down the blog or keep working for us. 
right? Or, or, or kind of go work on your own. And so um, I was like, man, that's a tough decision because I like working here. It's a nice, stable job. Um, but I mean, I really think that this blog has some potential and I could be doing something that I really am more passionate about helping the average person with money. So, um, that was kind of the catalyst of, well, in order for, for, for me to do that, then they had to fire me so that I could get a severance. And so I was like, okay, this sucks, but okay. That helps give me a springboard into the next chapter of my life. And that's kind of how it all started. Wow. That's crazy. So, so you, you had that ultimatum and you were kind of just like, I'm, I'm taking the blog peace out. Yeah. And what's interesting is there, there's some other components in there. I started another business to kind of offset well-kept wallet because it wasn't making enough money, but yeah, that was kind of how it all began. Wow. So yeah, in terms of revenue, if you don't mind sharing, like at that point, I mean, you had ads on your site, so I guess you're making something, but was it, was it anything significant? It wasn't. So Google ads uh, or AdSense at the time was it pays peanuts. I think it probably still does. I don't, I don't use them anymore. I use uh, a network, but, um, but yeah, so I, what happened though, is I got a local spot on, on like a Fox 10 channel here and I made like a few thousand dollars in a week. And, and so that, even though it was making like maybe a hundred bucks a month, just getting that one sense of like, Oh my gosh, what's possible. If, if, what if I wasn't working my job and I was able to get the message out there more, like how many more of those occurrences would happen. Um, and so unfortunately I've never had something like that happen since, uh, because <laughs> what happened was it was nationally syndicated. So instead of just being in Fox 10 in Arizona, it was in the Foxes all over the entire United States. And so that's why I got all this traffic and I was basically saying, Hey, I've got this free budget form. All that to say is, yeah, my, my income was low. It was probably a couple hundred bucks a month between like, you know, affiliates and, and ads sense. Um, but I knew that I had those, those bumps every once in a while, or it was, you know, a grand here, a couple grand there. And I was like, man, if I could figure that part out, maybe I can make this work. Wow. And that's, that's gotta be such a big turning point because I mean, I would assume a lot of people come to that crossroads and not necessarily make the same decision as you. I mean, looking at this, this cash flow stream of, of a hundred, 200 bucks a month, uh, compared to a stable financial advisor position, you've got the potential to move up the ranks, maybe like advanced to probably not partner with like a large firm, but, but pretty high up there. Um, and, and so going with this thing that, that was not the sure thing at all, definitely is, is not the choice that I think a lot of people would be making. <laughs> yeah. And okay. So that's a good thing to, to hit on. Cause I didn't do it just blindly. Cause I think that's one thing that a lot of people do. They'll just jump ship. They're like, Oh, I got sure. this opportunity. Um, so we had paid off all our debt. So we had no consumer debt. We had no student loans, no car payments. So we had very low expenses. Uh, I also had six months of an emergency fund saved up. So if you factor in the fact that I had three months severance plus six months, I basically had this nine month runway, right? To say, hey, I, I can try to figure this out. And then if it doesn't work, I could go back to the corporate world. I would hate to do that, but I could. Um, and so that was kind of my scenario. And I did create a business in the process. Uh, I don't know if you want to talk about that at all, but I basically was like, okay, I'm not making enough with well-kept wallet. So while I'm trying to build it up, I, I had another idea and I ran with that and that kind of supplemented my income while I got it going. Yeah, let's dive into that. So that was a, that was like an SEO company? Yeah. So what I learned was the search engine optimization, which I'm sure you're familiar with, where it's how people find things in Google, right? And they mm -hmm. Google, you know, best personal finance blogs or best ways to make money or pay off debt. And so I learned some of those techniques and then I had friends who were business owners. So I had a buddy and his family owned a sod company, which is basically like a grass installation company. Hmm. And I was like, Hey, 
you guys have a really old website. Um, it was built, it had like a flash player and it was like, you couldn't <laughs> even look at it on a, on a cell phone. And like, I could build you a new website and I could probably drive traffic to you. And he's like, well, how much would you charge for a website? And I like Google, like how much to charge for a website? And, <laughs> and I think I charged him like 1200 bucks, you know? And for me, like that was a lot of money. And for them, it was like a drop in the bucket, right? They're like, sure, no problem. I think we paid 10 times that before. I'm like, okay, maybe I undercharged myself. <laughs> so anyways, yeah. So I built their website and then I figured out how to, you know, get them more traffic. And then I had a buddy that had a boat repair company and I was like, well, he's got two locations, so I'll charge him a little bit more. And so I just kind of figured it out as I went and, you know, started getting, you know, 500 bucks, 1,000, 2,000. And then, you know, soon enough, I had $5,000 of recurring revenue from that business, which allowed me to kind of pour into the other business. Sure. And so I'm curious as well, what made you decide to um, take this extra time that you had now that you don't have a job and start a business that wasn't well-kept wallet? Like why... Why start the second business instead of just pouring that time, energy, resources into well-kept wallet and trying to grow that faster? It, it was kind of more of a diversification um, play. It was saying, hey, you know what? I have this skill set. People hmm. are willing to pay for it. Um, I have the time. And there's a crossover, right? That whatever I learn at SEO is helpful for well-kept wallet. So if I had not done that, it's possible I wouldn't have 800,000 people coming to the, to the site a month, right? Um, and so the reality was, is it was kind of like building this other skill set that would also benefit the main vision at the end of the day. And uh, I didn't really see that at first. I, it took me a while to get that, but that that really became clear. I was like, wait, I'm doing this for clients. Why don't I do this for myself, right? Like, why don't I reinvest in, in doing these same practices? And then when I did that, things just skyrocketed. I mean, yeah, there's 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 so many things that, uh, that yeah, the connections we just don't make in our heads. We're, we're doing all these things for other people and then we don't realize like, oh shoot, I can apply these same skills to, to things that I'm working on. Oh, absolutely. And, and I think uh, that's the other thing is sometimes uh, our paths aren't linear, right? Like you, you want to go from point A to point B or, you know, as fast as possible. But I feel like there's always like these roadblocks or speed bumps that you go over. And so that's what it was for me. It was kind of like, I don't know if I call it a roadblock, but it was kind of more of like a, uh, an angled curve of the path where I was like, okay, I'm going to go off the path for a little bit, do this SEO stuff, and then I'm going to come back on the path. And eventually I got to the end destination. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I think I think that's that's fascinating, man. I don't even know where the path is, to be honest with you. I'm just kind of <laughs> I'm just jumping around and trying to figure out. Once I get on the path, hopefully I'll recognize when I'm there. <laughs> right. I think that's most people. I totally I totally agree. I, I think a lot of people have just given up on finding the path, though. They get stuck in a rut and they're just they're just fine sitting there for the rest of their lives. Yeah, it's true. And, but I think here's also because I think sometimes we have in our heads there's only one path, right? Or there's mm -hmm. one thing. If I could be that one thing, you know, like I look at Dave Ramsey, who I'm sure you're familiar with, oh, and yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh, like I look at that guy and you say, oh, he's a personal finance guru. Like he's going to do that for the, you know, as long as he can. And, uh, but I, I think most people aren't wired that way. I think we go through seasons, right? Like, there was a season where I ran an electronics store and I was a manager for an electronics store. There was a season where I sold wood flooring. There was a season where I was a financial advisor, right? And I think we go through these seasons and we say, hey, you know, how could I be the best at what I do? How could I add value? Um, and if I don't enjoy it, I watched this uh, Steve Jobs commencement speech at Stanford that changed my life. He basically said, if I look in the mirror enough times in the morning and say, is what I'm about to do today what I would want to do. And if it's not, 
enough days in a row, I got to change it, right? So, I mean, it's, it's this, this little exercise of just really like clarity of like, okay, I'm gonna look at myself in the mirror and say, do I really want to do this today? No. And if I say that like five days in a row, I'm like, okay, something has to change, right? And so I think that's kind of where it led me to, okay, I don't want to be a financial advisor. I want to help the average person. So I got to take drastic measures and then figure it out. Mm. That's, that's huge. And I, I, I think, I think making that shift from, well, well, tell us more about, I guess, making that shift from helping the affluent people who had millions of dollars who couldn't really benefit from your story of here's how I paid off $50,000 in debt, um, transitioning into helping like the everyday person. So, um, how did, how did that go in terms of how you expected it to go? Well, what I initially did was I became a financial coach, right? And so that's where I would meet with people locally and I sit down and we, we do a budget and I have forms I would send them ahead of time. They get them filled out and I would sit with them and you know, we, we go over their goals, all those kind of things. So I was saying, hey, I'm not going to give you investment advice. I'm just going to talk to you about like, what are your goals? How can we put together a budget that works? How can I help you pay off debt? And what I found is, is I was more of a marriage counselor than I was like a financial <laughs> coach, right? Like there was just, it was so much relational dynamics. I was like, man, I am not built for this, right? Like the, the patience and I'm like, the numbers are simple. Like you need to just stop buying lattes and you need to just stop buying clothes and you know, you need to stop buying electronics for your truck or whatever. It's like, if, if you want to achieve this goal and, and then obviously there's a lot of emotion tied up in personal finance. So uh, what I learned is, is that 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 one-on-one -on -one coaching type stuff just wasn't for me. Um, and so that's what I just, you know, kept dabbling like, okay, well, that's paying the bills because I could charge people a flat rate for, you know, say a few hundred bucks to meet a certain amount of times that I knew that I had, you know, this revenue going forward. Um, but I realized I needed to do something else. And that's when I learned about affiliate marketing. Uh, and realize that, gosh, if I have traffic to my site and then people sign up for something, like brands will pay me for that, right? I'm basically, I'm like the cupid of online, you know, financial stuff, you know? And so uh, if I can, if I could do that, then let's just say I get paid a hundred dollars per, you know, transaction. I do 10 of those, it's a thousand bucks, right? Like, so it didn't, it didn't mean I need to do a lot of it. I just had to figure out how to make enough to make a living. Just checking in again, is my mic sounding all right? I'm currently recording this on a Toner Q9 mic, which is super easy to set up as long as you can figure out which side of the USB plug should be facing up. You can't see me, but this Q9 mic comes with the mic, obviously, and you get this cool swivel arm that attaches to your desk and lets you swivel the thing around, look like a pro. Uh, you get the pop filter, the mic cover, basically everything that you need and more to look and sound like a pro whenever you are recording. Basically, if you're creating content online, whether it's YouTube or a podcast or an online course, the Toner Q9, it's honestly the move. It comes with the perfect balance of quality and affordability, which is honestly what we love here on Young Smart Money. Also, the fine folks at Toner have agreed to hook up all Young Smart Money listeners with 20% off the Q9 kit, which is pretty sweet. When you use the code SMARTMONEY20 at checkout, that's smart money, all one word, and the number two and the number zero at checkout on Amazon or their website, which you can find links for down below wherever you are listening to this episode. Now, let's hop back to the show. Definitely, definitely. So uh, coming into the whole working with people and, and, and kind of helping them manage their money on that smaller scale, um, I, I'm curious when it comes to paying off debt in, in particular, since that's something that you have a lot of personal experience in and something uh, you, you talk about a fair bit, 
uh, when I when I see people talking about debt, or, or when I when I think about debt, the, the first place that my mind goes is like cutting back on things like you said, like the latte, like the clothes, like the electronics. And oftentimes, I feel like guys like Dave Ramsey, especially they're talking about like cutting down on your spending, spend less, don't go out as much like like stay home. But I mean, there's a whole nother side of the coin, which is like the making more money side. So when you're when you're talking to people about debt, when you are thinking about debt, which which of those sides are you are you placing more of an emphasis on and just how do you kind of find a balance there so i will say it, it does vary on a case-to-case basis because i'm a huge advocate of making money right like yeah. i think especially in this gig economy where it's like gosh you could sign up and be a postmates driver or you could um you know you could sell stuff online and flip it i mean this really weird right now in the economy that we have with a lot of people being socially isolated so there's the, the making money part's a little bit more difficult because some <laughs> things aren't even available like being an uber or lyft driver would be horrible right now you know um so uh so i really do i lean on the making money side but i will say the one thing that everybody has control over is cutting their spending everybody that i meet with right so it's kind of like so there's no excuses. And the other cool thing is a lot of times I'll talk to people about ways that they can do it without changing their lifestyle. Okay, so you don't want to cut clothing under your budget. Well, why don't you buy clothing on Poshmark or on ThreadUp or something like a, like a used website versus buying them new? Like I love Lucky Brand jeans. I found my favorite pair of Lucky Brand jeans for a dollar at a Savers. <laughs> and, and, and like literally they're like $120 pair of jeans. You know, I'm like... So you could have nice stuff, just you have to change your behavior, right? And so, um, or it could be like, hey, you just got to shop around, like just shopping around car insurance, you could save 50 bucks a month, that's 600 bucks a year. So that's a lot of the stuff that I would go over is like, hey, what are the basic things that you could go through? You're not even changing your lifestyle. You're just changing your behavior. You're changing your approach to something and it could save you thousands, if not tens of thousands of dollars a year. Totally, totally. So in terms of working with people both in the financial coaching aspect and now now through your blog what are some of like the biggest mental roadblocks that you're running into people with with this kind of stuff when you're telling them like hey you can you can save money by by buying clothes from thrift stores or you can save money by by cutting this or cutting that like what are what are kind of some of the the, the common roadblocks that you're running into with people yeah i mean i think that really it is the person themselves right like in their beliefs like whatever we believe to be true is what we're going to act upon, right? And if some people are like, well, I don't want to be the coupon lady, right? Like I don't want to be the person that's holding up the line. So if they believe that, they're not going to cut out coupons. They're not going to download the app and use it. I mean, and so it's like they got to change the way that they believe. And 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 you only do that if you want it bad enough, right? Like if you, like for us, like I own two properties at the height of the market that were worth like half of what I paid for them. And then I had I had 52 grand of debt on top of that, and I was just like, man, I was I was suffocating in debt, and I'm like, man, I need to get out of this. So I don't care if I have to shop at a thrift store. I don't care if I have to use coupons. Like, I want to get out of debt, you know. And so once I had reality, whatever Dave Ramsey or whatever somebody else said, Clark Howard, whoever it was, said it, it made sense. I just did it. And so I think a lot of people need is to say, hey, yeah have some hardwired beliefs based off of how we were raised based off of our environment our friends and sometimes you got to unwind some of that stuff so that you can move forward I totally agree I think caring what other people think about you is one of the biggest roadblocks for a lot of people just in terms of not wanting to break social norms whether it's financially related or otherwise and that that just causes us to get in this whole rut of, of yeah not wanting to look weird not wanting to stand out just 
just being more comfortable doing what everybody else is doing. And a lot of times doing what everybody else is doing is not what's going to get you to the place you want to be. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think like one little small thing, and it's, it's going to sound weird, but I think it, it was, it was tough, I think for me to adjust at first, but then it, I pretty much do it ever since is I drink water instead of getting beer or soda when I go out to a restaurant. Right. And you're kind of like, like, what are these little things where it's like, I can't believe that was an issue. But like, if I would go out with friends, if I didn't order a beer or whatever, or if I didn't order something other than water, I felt kind of out, you know, like ostracized, yeah. but that's in my own head. Right. Nobody was being like, Oh, Deacon got water, you know, like that. So I think a lot of times we have to, we have to think through like, Oh yeah. I mean, nobody else, everybody else is spending more time thinking about what you're thinking about them. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like they're not thinking about you and like what you order. They're like, Oh, did, did Deacon know that I just like, I just spilled something on my lap or, Oh, I just dropped my napkin on the floor. Did anybody see that? Right. Like, it's <laughs> like, yeah, forget about what other people think and just do what's right for you, you know, to get you ahead in your financial goals. Exactly, man. And even if they do call you out and be like, Deacon, you, you're drinking water over there. Like, what are you doing? Uh, like, you just have to kind of remember, like, what are what are you doing it for? Like, what is what are what are your goals? And <laughs> sometimes you just kind of realize that like 99% of the time, your goals are going to be a lot more important than than what your buddy has to say about you drinking water. Absolutely. And I think everybody's scenario is different, right? I mean, um, some people make minimum wage. And so you have to make different choices than if you're making a hundred grand a year, right? Because you have a, a very small, you know, bundle of money coming in every month that you got to work with. And so, um, so yeah, it is like your situation is different than somebody else's. And I love this, the quote from Theodore Roosevelt, that comparison is the thief of joy, right? If you compare yourself to other people and they're like, I wish I could have this, I wish I could have that. Like you will never have joy in your life. Right. And if you just kind of realize, Hey, this is where I'm at right now. And I'm just going to work within those boundaries so that I can get to where I want to be and, um, be joyful in the process. Mm, couldn't agree more. So Deacon, I want to dive into some, some kind of like ninja, uh, debt, debt pay down tips. So, um, I know, I know you're, you're much more of a, of an expert at this than me. So share with the listeners kind of what are, what are some of your, uh, most effective or strategies that you, um, have, have seen have the most success with the people that you talk to? Absolutely. So I would say most of it is, is not stuff that I've come up with, right? Like I wish I, I mean, I'm like a ninja, but I'm a ninja that's learned from other ninjas, right? Exactly. So, um, you know, so there's the debt snowball that uh, is made famous by Dave Ramsey. And this is where you, you pay off your debt smallest to largest. And that's what we did because we just realized that we are much more psychological beings, right? And, 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 and so we need to feel like we're going somewhere. And if we don't, we're just going to give up, right? And that's what the debt snowball does is, hey, if you pay off a $100, you know, department store card or a $200 medical bill, like your brain says, hey, that's one less thing I have to think of. Like, I just paid that off. Like I achieved a goal, even though it was small. And then you're like, okay, well, I want to do that again, right? And it kind of lights the fire for like, I'm going to keep going. So that, that snowball was the, the method that I found to be the most effective. And for everybody that I coached, I'd walk them through that. Um, and I even did it on an 18 month time frame because that's when we paid off our debt. And I was just saying, hey, you're not necessarily going to do this in 18 months, but literally it's a mathematical equation, right? So if we just say, hey, you have $18,000 in debt, how much money do you need a month to pay it off in 18 months? A thousand bucks, right? So it really made it like, oh, that's not hard. I could decrease my expenses 500. I could increase my income 500 and I'm there in 18 months. So I really try to make it just super digestible for people to say, hey, this is possible. Um, and so putting a deadline on it, using the debt snowball, I found to be the most effective way. Sure. I want to talk about the deadline too. So 
where did you come up with 18 months from? And did you find that having that like hard deadline was, was an effective tool for you to actually like get in gear? Because I think, I feel like Parkinson's law applies here a little bit. Whereas like if people say, okay, I'm going to pay off my debt, but they don't give themselves a hard cutoff, <laughs> the, the paying off the debt is going to expand to fill the time allotted and that's going to be their whole life. So where did the 18 months come from? And yeah, did you feel like that was, that was a valuable decision to make to just like stop it there? So there's two parts to this. So the first part is, you know, in my subconscious, I learned about smart goals in college, right? And it's like, you know, specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and time, time sensitive or something, something like that. But yeah. T for time sensitive, right? And so that that if you put a deadline on something like I I will lose 10 pounds in one month, right? Like now you're more likely to achieve that goal. But I didn't really, it was at the forefront of my mind, but I decided to go through this Dave Ramsey class called Financial Peace University. Hmm. And on the box, it said the average person gets out of debt between 18 and 24 months. And so I just thought, okay, well, if there's somebody that's done it in 18 months, because they put it on this box, right? So I'm like, <laughs> that's my goal, right? Like if it's humanly possible, that's what I'm going to do. Cool. And, and in terms of having that hard deadline, did you find that to be... Uh, a strong motivator or something that, that really contributed to your ability to actually do this? Yeah, because now I had a filter. It's like, okay, why am I drinking water? Because I want to get out of debt in 18 months. Why am I not going overseas to my buddy's wedding? Because I want to get out of debt in 18 months. It's like, I love him, but he's going to come here and have a reception and it's not going to cost me seven grand or whatever it was to go, you know, take my wife out there. So, um, so it's really, it created that filter that I could say no to things coming my way because I had this goal and I knew what I wanted to achieve it by. And then anything that came in the way of that, I had to say no to, right. And it's made life a lot easier, uh, to, to operate. I, I totally agree. Having those filters is so essential, especially when you have clear goals that you want to work towards, you need to prioritize them and you need to actually yeah, filter stuff out that isn't going to move you closer because there's going to be a lot of a lot of things that come your way. A lot of people trying to get on your schedule, trying to to ask you to do things. And if you're if you're not clear about where you're trying to go, and if you don't have those filters, it's really easy to get sidetracked. And I mean, I'm speaking from personal experience here. There's a lot of um, not not really right now with with all the lockdowns and stuff. But I mean, when when the city is open, there's a lot of things kind of vying at your time. And and if you're not careful, it's it's, it's really easy to just lose a whole lot of time just doing nothing oh it is like i'll, I'll give you an example so all right we're finally debt free 100 percent. we paid off our house right um and then uh this was um four years ago three years ago and and then my wife and i were like you know it would be great to have a second home you know because we live in arizona it's really hot so i was like well our, 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 our mortgage, we don't have a mortgage anymore. So like a second home, we're basically just paying what our mortgage would be on this house, you know, and that's how we justified it. And then we got back into debt. Right. And so we got sidetracked uh, because we, we didn't have that goal anymore. And then we decided now we're debt free again. So we were completely debt free. We sold the second home because I realized that was a nightmare. Um, but uh, so all I have to say is like, no matter where you are in the equation, like you could be a professional 50 year old person making 200 grand a year, like, but you could be living paycheck to paycheck, right? And um, you could be a doctor making 350 grand a year and have be, have debt just piling over your head, right? And so the reality is, is we do have to have those filters that we look at life through to keep us out of trouble, to keep us going towards our goals so that we don't wake up one day and say, 
gosh, I wish I would have saved or gosh, I wish I would have invested or I would have paid off my debt. Like, no, start now. Like there's never a better time than right now to have those filters in place. I'm really glad you shared that about having that. I wouldn't necessarily call it a mistake, but having that learning lesson, uh, even after you'd paid off all of your debt, because it's not just like Deacon, Deacon made it. He, he learned all the, all the financial tips and tricks and now he's just doing everything perfectly. Like, like stuff still happens if you, if you let those filters kind of uh, weaken and, and you're not really using them as much. And so you, you got to stay on top of that stuff, even after you like meet your initial goal, like staying, remembering why you did it is, is, is so, so important. It is. And I think sometimes it takes the strain. Like what happens is that discomfort becomes enough, right? Like, oh, the, the idea of having a second home was this, oh, it'd be so great to go away, get in the mountains and, you know, get out of the heat. And then you're like, man, do you know how much it costs to maintain that place? Do you know how many like uh, people to deal with between air conditioning and uh, plumbing and landscaping, all the stuff. And I'm like, gosh, like this is actually almost another job over here just to maintain <laughs> this property. I'm like, so then the pain got great enough where I'm like, gosh, this isn't what I wanted, right? What I really wanted was financial peace of mind. What I really wanted is just to be able to, to uh, have less things to stress out about in life, right? And so I realized, hey, that didn't align with my filter. I had a clear focus and was able to then take action, right? So like you said, like, yeah, we're going to constantly throughout life, even if we're, you know, farther ahead in life, um, we could still have those temptations. We got to learn to, to like, oh, wait a second. No, that's not what I want. And, and kind of redirect course. I totally agree. And and I've just been learning as, as time goes on, just how much simpler life can be if you just cut out all of that stuff that doesn't need to be there. Like I'm, I'm just like reducing the number of possessions I have every single day and just kind of like, like having a lean business, but also just having a lean life and uh, being free to, to, to make choices and move around and, and do cool stuff when I don't have just all of this, all this stuff tying me down. Cause I find people just accumulate so much stuff that they, they, they drastically limit their options in terms of what they can do. And uh, I, I mean, there's a time and a place for that, but I feel like it just happens. So, so subconsciously for, for a lot of people that making an active effort to just realize like, whoa, I am accumulating a lot of stuff here is I think a pretty important thing to do. Absolutely. Have you seen that minimalist documentary on Netflix? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there's that there's like one guy, I think he has like 53 items to his name and it's like all in a backpack, you know, and it's like, <laughs> gosh, like when you could when you could number the amount of things that you own, that's impressive, you know? That's that's the goal. I mean, maybe not quite that extreme, but I just spent like two, two, three months in Southeast Asia with all I had was a backpack to my name and it was it was pretty liberating, I gotta say. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome, man. <laughs> cool, cool. So I wanna I want to also dive in to um, the, the the making money side of things. I know we talked a bit about um, kind of cutting back and stuff. So when it comes to making money for, for the average person who's, who's kind of maybe on the younger side and coming into this, maybe they're graduating school with a little bit of debt. What are, what are some levers that, that they can pull to, to kind of focus on the making money side of the equation? Cause I know there's, there's, there's probably plenty of Facebook ads hitting their feet every single day with, with ways that they can start making six figures a day online um, through <laughs> starting whatever kind of business, selling Bitcoin, whatever. Um, so, so <laughs> what, where do you tend to tend to look first when it comes to like trying to, trying to move the making money side of the equation? 
I really go to somebody's interests because I think if they're interested, the more they're more likely to excel and make more money in that in that specific field. So, for instance, let's just say that you're going to college for teaching and you're like, hey, I can't really get a teaching job right now because I don't have my certificate or whatever. Well, you could teach English online to kids in China and make up to 20 bucks an hour, which ain't bad just for you know a part time gig while you're trying to you know figure out what your life plan is. So. Um, it could be, uh, even music lessons, right? Like I got a guy, uh, that I'm trying to get a hold of, but he went, he did like a social media fast. So he's, he was off for like six months, but he was going to charge 50 bucks an hour to teach songwriting via Skype. And I was like, that's brilliant, right? Like, so let's just say you're a good guitar player, probably not a drummer. It'd probably be really hard to do drumming over Skype, but like guitar, violin, piano, keyboard, whatever, like you could teach people. So there's things where you just say, hey, like what am I interested in? And then how can I monetize that, right? Um, and that's where I usually start. I mean, you have all the kind of like go-tos of like you could do like a, you know, food delivery for DoorDash or Uber Eats, um, you know, if you, if you want to do that kind of thing. And I did pizza delivery when I was paying off debt and I enjoyed it. Um, but you're going to, you're going to max out at like 15, 20 bucks an hour, you know, unless you live in a really nice, you know, Beverly Hills type neighborhood or something, which you're probably not delivering pizzas if you live there. So, um, so yeah, so I mean, really it's kind of starts with your interest and then figuring out like, what are the options out there? And I always like having like people write down on a piece of paper. Cause you can just say like, okay, I, I like music and what could I do? And it's like, well, I could teach lessons. I could uh, build instruments. Like you just start writing down, like what are the things that I could do in that vein? And then you start to say, hey, well, building instruments sounds like it takes a lot of capital and I'm not really hands-on, cross that off, right? And eventually you come up with a list of two or three and you're like, done, let's do this. Totally. And I think the, yeah, just, just brainstorming stuff, grabbing a whiteboard, grabbing a piece of paper and just getting creative, getting outside the box a little bit because I, I think a lot of people, they'll hear like, well, maybe they'll have the interest in music and, and they'll think the only thing they can do is like teach piano lessons or whatever. But there, there's so many different ways to, to pull from your interests and to, to do things that are related and, and, and kind of use these skills in different ways that I, I think just taking a little bit of creativity to it can really go a long way. Absolutely. Well, another thing, it's interesting, like uh, people will buy like little snippets to music, right? So you have a podcast, I have a podcast, like I paid for a guy to do a voiceover and then provide music for the podcast intro, you know? And it's like, gosh, that's like someone's job is to literally just talk or to provide music for podcasts, you know? It's like, who would have thought of that, right? Like, uh, so it's, it's incredible when you just start to make those lists to say, hey, there is no box. Like you can basically make a living doing anything. Um, I'm trying to think of somebody that was really unique um, cause I, I have a friend that made six figures doing voiceover acting in a trailer, like as I, as I did the art, like they, they, they went across the United States doing like a road trip and she was just recording inside the RV, you know? And you're like, okay, if she could do that from anywhere in the world, like that's pretty impressive, right? That could be one that we're talking about for young people. Like, Hey, if you've got a, a radio like voice and you're, you want to start doing that, there are websites where you can put your profile out there and, you know, try to apply for things like that. Yeah, I mean, there's there's so many there's so many opportunities out there that I think yeah, just breaking out the old pen and paper and just kind of like brainstorming for for half an hour can be a really really valuable use of time and just slowing down in general is 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 such a good thing. <laughs> Couldn't agree more, man. Awesome, Deacon. Well, first off, man, I, I want to say thank you so much for your time for for hopping on the podcast. It's been a, a pleasure chatting it up with you, and I'm uh, it's it's been really cool to hear about your story and and that transition from 
being a financial advisor to, to going online. Cause right now I'm kind of doing the opposite thing right now from having a couple of online businesses to maybe transitioning into getting my certified financial planner license. So <laughs> it's, it's, it's been cool to hear kind of an opposite perspective there, but uh, for our listeners that do want to follow up with you and learn more about what you're working on, well-kept wallet, all that good stuff. What are, what are some of the best places? So the best place is wellkeptwallet.com. And then I also just started doing YouTube videos because I'm really excited about videos. So uh, our YouTube channel is wellkeptwallet, all one word. Um, and if you search it, don't search Deacon Hayes, search wellkept wallet because I have an old personal YouTube channel and you're not going to find anything good there. So, <laughs> All right. Well, I'll be sure to link that up in the show notes for our listeners. Deacon, thanks again for your time. Do you have any last parting thoughts, words of wisdom, or anything you want to leave the listeners with here today? Yeah, I think one of the things to think about is what what do you want your life to look like 10 years from now, right? Because I think what happens, especially when I was young, I didn't really think about the future. And, and because of that, I made choices, like we said, that were really bad. And if I say, hey, my choice in 10 years is to be debt free, or my choice is to be able to be live remote and work wherever I want to work, like, I'm probably not going to buy a house and get a mortgage, right? Like, so really just kind of saying, like, what do you want out of life? And I know sometimes when you're young, it's hard to know those things. But if you can really sit down and think about it, um, you'll be so much farther ahead, and you'll avoid so many pitfalls just by, by having that mindset. Mm-hmm. Could not agree more. Well, Deacon, Thank you so much for your time. It has been a pleasure having you on Young Smart Money and I look forward to staying in touch. Thanks, Apple. All right. So I hope you got something valuable out of that conversation with Deacon. I know I got plenty of stuff, plenty of notes written down that I am going to head back to. So I hope you do as well. Uh, As always, if you enjoyed this episode, feel free to head on over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listened to this episode and leave us a rating and review. really does help the show out. And if you want the resources, the uh, stuff we mentioned this episode, all that good stuff, head on over to Apple applecrater.com slash resources. You will find all of the good stuff or just applecrater.com will hook you up with the show notes for this episode as well. So I hope you are having an absolutely wonderful day. I hope you are staying safe out there and uh, I look forward to seeing you in the next one.